right, we are in a series called Upside Down, and we've been going over the Beatitudes, and this is our final week, and what we've been talking about is this idea that Jesus, how Jesus looks at the world is upside down, how Jesus reacts to people is upside down. He, as, as he responds and his outlook doesn't make any sense, and so we've gone through these eight things called the Beatitudes, and basically the Beatitudes is how Jesus kicked off what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Now, he probably had many sermons that were very similar to this, but this is one of them that was uh, actually written down. And so he kicks off with this idea um, uh, of these blessings, these happy are, like blessed are those who, happy are those who. And Jonathan kicked us off with uh, talking about uh, the fact that blessed are the hopeless, that they'll find their hope in Christ. And it was a very good sermon. If you didn't hear it, go check out the podcast. I loved it. And then I talked about the fact that blessed are the meek. And the point with that was you're already safe. You don't need to fight. It's okay to be meek. And then we talked about blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And I talked about the fact that Jesus is food for the hungry heart. Jesus is water for the thirsty soul. And then we talked about showing mercy. And Rihanna talked about the fact that um, justice is, not a, uh, is about restoration, not about harm. And then Marquise came in, and uh, you guys are like, do you ever preach? No, I don't. Marquise came in and talked about the pure in heart, and he said sometimes you need a heart donor and you, or, and you need a blood donor. And Jesus performs both of those things perfectly. That was a great sermon as well. And then Michelle, who's with our uh, children right now, talked about blessed are the peacemakers, and she had this great line. Um, don't, your guys' lines were good too, but uh, she, she, said, she said, blessed are the peacemakers because they run into the mess and they ex- expect to find Jesus there. I thought that was a, a, a brilliant line. And then last week I talked about the fact that uh, uh, blessed are those who are persecuted, and it just is all upside down. Blessed, are, blessed, blessed, blessed are those. Like what, like, what do you mean happy are those who are persecuted? And I, I talked about the fact that as we pursue Jesus, we get pursued. To be persecuted just means to be pursued. And so I talked about that, that the, our, our job is to pursue Jesus as hard as we can to outrun our pursuers. And uh, so this week, um, I wanted to wrap it all up because... Some scholars, they argue over whether there's eight Beatitudes or nine Beatitudes. And the reason they do that is because they're scholars. That's just what they do. They argue about stuff, right? Um, Because what happens is the language shifts from blessed are those. Blessed are those. And we, we have those in our life until they become me. You know, you have a, you know, you, know you, you feel sorry for those that are unemployed. Like, oh man, it's so, I feel so sorry for those people who are unemployed. And then you become unemployed. And now it's something totally different. I felt very sorry for those who had kids with special needs or any type of disability. I felt bad. I really did. And then my son had his first seizure. And then now it was like completely different. Now all the little advice and theology that I had for everybody else and uh, God works all things together for good, brother. It just didn't work for me, right? I just, my, my theology started getting all jacked up. 
And then, you know, you might say, you know, but, uh, you know, I feel sorry for those who are, you know, getting a divorce. Oh, it's so sad, you know, marriages, yeah, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then you get served papers, and now you're in the midst of a divorce. See, there's something that, that switches. And we can say, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are um, those who are persecuted. And, oh, man, I feel so sorry for the people who are persecuted in China or this other country or this other country. And then all of a sudden, you begin to get persecuted. And now you're like, man, what, what did Jesus say about that again? So what happens in the text is this, blessed are those, blessed are those, blessed are you, okay, comes in the verse 11. All of a sudden, Jesus switches to you and we don't know if he was just talking to the disciples because the way the sermon on the mount starts off the disciples come up with with jesus onto a mountaintop and there's people all over the place and scholars again because they love to argue and pick food out of their beards they, they they they're arguing over like was he talking just to the disciples and the multitude was just you know overhearing or was he talking to everyone i personally believe he was talking to everyone that's why at the end it says they were amazed because he's as one who spoke with authority, not like the scribes and the Pharisees. So Jesus changes this thing. Blessed are you. He wants to personalize this now. And I want to personalize this. And I, I told you last week we we're going to have persecution part two. <laughs> I'm surprised everyone came back. But... Um, we talked about pursuing Jesus. This, is, this goes into like Jesus gives advice about what do you do when you're wronged. In America nowadays, the worst thing that could happen to somebody is that they're wronged. That's not fair. That's not right. That's not, I got, I got my feelings hurt. Jesus is going to give us some advice this morning, and it's very, very difficult advice. But I'm telling you, if you can get this down, if you can just begin to, to start this process in your life, maybe pick an easy situation first until you build up these muscles, until you get to the person who really drives you crazy. Because what Jesus wants for you is freedom. And if you're wronged or you're harmed and you hold that on for the rest of your life, it is going to eat you alive. And he wants you to be free. So here's what he says. I'll read the whole verse, uh, verse 11, in one sitting. And then I'm going to do something you're not really supposed to do in this genre of the Bible. It's the gospel. This is a narrative. Jesus spoke in Aramaic. It was written down in Greek. And, and we're talking about it in English, right? And so that's like a it's difficult to do, but I'm going to break this down because there are some Greek words in here that they chose to use that are super, super important. Okay, so it says this. Blessed are you when, uh, when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Thanks. I'll try this one. I love technology. I really do. Oh, I'm still on my uh, Instagram. Oh, that's pretty cool. Good. Let me just see if I can control it here. Uh, now, got it? Okay, there we go. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. I owe you big time. A whole sermon would have been ruined. Uh, 
And so he, he goes into this whole idea, blessed are you when, when people insult you. Now just let that sink in. Have you ever been insulted? Have you ever been called names? Have you ever been falsely accused? Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, which just means to pursue you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Blessed are you when people insult you. What does it mean to be insulted? It means finding fault, to upbraid, to reproach. Blessed are you when you're insulted. Now you go, man, that, that just sounds weird. So I have someone very close to me um, uh, right now that's being bullied at work. And, um, and it's just constant. And because they don't fight back, uh, you know, the bully, bullying gets even worse. You know, and, and, and uh, you know, I, so you understand a little bit about my history. Um, I don't like bullies. And so growing up, I was blessed with the spiritual gift of sarcasm. <laughs> um, and so anytime anyone said anything about me, I would go to their biggest weakness and I'd just go off. Then no one would bully me. And I became a bully. But it was okay because they said it first to, to me. See, see what I'm saying? And so, so my first thing was, well, tell me about these people and we'll come up with some really good ones, right? But then as I matured, like in my early 50s, um, <laughs> I started realizing, I, my heart really started being broken for them because really people bully out of their own insecurities. And so I just started asking them questions about, you know, tell me about these people. And they, they told me their age. And I said, well, you know, they, they might be upset that, you know, you, you get to leave in three weeks and go back to school and this is their job. Or I, I don't know, I can't get inside their heart. But they're finding fault. When they persecute you, the persecute just means to pursue. When they keep hounding you, one of the things they do, they have this term for this friend of mine that, that, that they use. It's a degrading term. And they walk around and they just keep saying it to them, saying it to them. And then there'll be two of them and they'll harp back and forth and they, they gang up on them. And, uh, and so they just, they just keep repeating these same, these same things. You look like this. You look like this. You're stupid. You're, how come you're so stupid? Are you mad? Are you mad? Are you mad? Oh, my gosh. Yes, I am. Uh, and so that, that's what they'll do. They, they persecute. They pursue. And falsely say, this is an attempt to deceive. This doesn't mean you just say something you think you know and you're wrong. This is something you know that is wrong and they say it about you Anyway, those who falsely say, they attempt to deceive all kinds of evil against you. That evil is diseased, vicious, and grievous. <laughs> so, what Jesus is saying is, you, you personally, are probably going to be offended sometime this week. Someone's going to probably say something that might sound right, but is wrong. Nobody's exempt. Nobody. Pastor's not exempt. There'll be things that they say about the pastor. They're, pastor Jonathan's not exempt. You're not exempt. Grandma's not exempt. Like, nobody's exempt from this. 
Because as humans, we have this tendency to want to have to be right. We want to have to be in power. We, want, we have to be on top. And unless we can control that, unless we can control our tongue, unless we can control our emotions, unless we can mature, we're going to be those people that go after other people. Uh, uh, the young people are some of the worst at this because they're insecure and they're trying to figure out who's on top and who's cool and who's not. And so they make little comments. And it was funny when I was listening to uh, this particular person this week, I honestly couldn't believe that like bullying still exists with all the, like there's so much information now on like what it does to the brain and and, and schools are cracking down on it, and rightly so. And like, even if you just hint at bullying, you get in trouble. And yet it's still there. Why? Because we are a broken people. It's not going away. We're not going to be able to fix ourselves. We're going to spend a little more time on this in a little bit. But the events of uh, just the violence in our country is it's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. The fact that racism is so much still a part of our culture, part of our history. We can't get over these things that we all know are wrong. And so when we take communion today, we're going to have a chance to lament uh, the events of the last few days. But we're a broken people. And you will get offended. You will get blamed. You will have things spoken about you. And Jesus says, says uh, they're going to say all kinds of evil about you. And then he asks, adds this one thing. He says, because of me. Now, I want you to hear this real quick because as you become more like Jesus, you will become more separated. Now, being persecuted or insulted because of Jesus, just hear me out. I, I know a guy one time who had to pray at lunchtime for lunch. He had to say grace at lunch. Totally cool. I say grace at lunch. I love grace. I love lunch. I love grace and lunch. Okay, I, I like it all. But he's on this, he's on this, this uh, he's got these executives coming in from uh, one of the company's clients. And so he's at the table and, and he's like, hey, do you, do you mind if we say grace? And the executives are like, well, <laughs> um, okay. He's like, let's bow our heads. He says grace. And it's very noble. But his boss tells him, hey, we're not saying grace in front of clients anymore, okay? And he's like, yeah, I was being persecuted. I don't know. <laughs> I think you could get away with not saying grace. I, I don't think Jesus is saying you're going to become weird, and so people are not going to want to be around you. This is what Jesus is saying about being persecuted because of him. As you become more like Christ, you will be more set apart. You will have friends that you don't run with anymore because you're just not fun anymore. You will have relationships that maybe your sexual ethic changes. And so that changes and you will be missing out on dates and other things like that because you now have a new sexual ethic there'll be a things you used to do at work in order to get the numbers to be the numbers they're supposed to be that you begin to refuse to do 
And Jesus says, you're going to start getting people talking about you behind your back. They're going to call you a hypocrite. They're going to call you a goody two-shoes. They're going to say, you think you're better than me. All those different things. Jesus says, because of me, because you're becoming like me, these things are going to happen. Well, you can't have it both ways. You can be in a holy huddle with just Christians and try to avoid it, but that's unhealthy. I hope you know that. It's unhealthy to live a whole life just around Christians. Uh, but but to to protect yourself right that's that's not healthy (laughs) that's gonna come back to bite me that's gonna come back to bite right but you're you're going to change you're supposed to change you're supposed to not gossip you're supposed to become patient you're supposed to become more kind You're supposed to be able to be a person that lets things roll off your back. That's Jesus. You're supposed to be able to be quiet even in the face of being falsely accused as Jesus was, the Bible says, like a lamb led to the slaughter. He went silently. You're supposed to be able to do that. And as you become a person who's able to do that, you become different. So here's my point for this morning. When wronged, seek Jesus, not justice. When you're wronged, seek Jesus, not justice. Now, just so you hear me out. When others are wronged, when others are marginalized, when others are set aside, the poor, the outcast, the orphan, the widow, those, the alien, those who are pushed aside, seek justice. Don't just seek Jesus, seek justice. But when you personally are wronged, you seek Jesus, not justice. See, in order to give this individual some zingy one-liners so that he could get justice, I turned him away from Jesus. I I didn't give him any one-liners. I just, I I turned him towards Jesus. But, But had I done that, had I said, well, you need to just march right in there and... Now, there might be a time Jesus might have you go speak to your boss. I don't know. But instead of giving him, you know, you've got to do this, and you've got to fight for your rights, and you've got to do that, you've got to go get justice. No, go seek Jesus. Lord Jesus, what would you do in this situation? How can I bless them? How can I love them? Because you might seek justice and nothing changes. The boss might say, eh, if you like your job, you know, you're going to have to put up with it. That's what, we're tough around here. You know, stick up for yourself, whatever. Rub some dirt on it, whatever. Like old, like manly thing my dad would tell me. Like, you know, just, just tough it out. But when you seek Jesus, the answer might be totally different. Jesus might say, I want to train you to become the type of man that can sit and be so confident in yourself and so confident in your relationship with me that you can handle anything. That is so much better than having them written up. <laughs> Have them written up in, too. I mean, but first seek Jesus. <laughs> when wronged, we seek Jesus, not justice. Now, Jesus is so confident of, of what's going to happen if you do this. He gives us some advice on what to do the minute you're insulted. What to do the minute 
you, you, you realize, oh man, I'm, I'm being persecuted. I'm being wrongly accused. He says, rejoice and be glad. Let's pray. Because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Isn't that encouraging? The prophets were persecuted. Then you start reading about the prophets. And you're like, oh, it even got worse than just saying I was dumb. Like, yeah, a little bit. So let's look at some of these words. Rejoice. This is such a great word. Calmly happy or well off. This is what it would look like. You're at work. They're like, hey, you know, you want to go out after work and, you know, whatever. And you're like, no, nah, you know, I'm, I'm just not into that. And they're like, oh, what are you, goody two-shoes? And you're like, yes. Uh, no, no, it's cool. I just wanted to, you know, oh, you're one of those Christians. You're just a hypocrite. That is to be calmly happy and well off. Like, yes. Man, you know, th this happened with Paul where he says he couldn't believe, like when you read this, I, it's still, he's like, oh, oh no, it was, uh, it was uh, P P Peter and John. They, they, they rejoiced after their flogging because they were considered worthy for the sufferings of Christ. How do you get there? You start off with being calmly happy or well off. To be, to know, like, let's put it this way. Let's say I'm at work, and uh, I have two weeks left, and I win the lottery, but nobody knows. <laughs> Wouldn't my attitude change at work? Well, yes, if I stayed, but, like, if you knew, or you knew, like, you were getting an inheritance, you hadn't got it yet, but, you know, great-great-grandma is, uh, she's ready to go, and you're just like, you know, you're going to get, a, you know, uh, you're going to cash in, and, uh, and, and so you're, you're there, and you can put up with a lot when you know something's coming. How much more with Jesus? I know my identity is not in being a pastor, how big my church is, how much money I have in the bank. My identity is found in Jesus, how much he loves me, how much he accepts me, being seeped in or steeped in that rich mercy and his love. That's calmly happy and well off. You could say anything. All right, I'll talk to Jesus about it. If he agrees with you, I'll come back and apologize. But the next one is my favorite one. Rejoice, which would have been good enough. He could have just stopped. But he says, and be glad, and be glad, which sounds like rejoice. I mean, it sounds like the same, but this Greek word, this is all demonstrated to you. Okay, so, um, honey, honey, call me a name. Go ahead. And not the one you call me typically, because that would be embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> yes! To be glad means to jump for joy. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Like, can you imagine? You're at school, guys, and somebody calls you a name, and you're like, yes! First of all, they'd freak out. They'd be like, I think, I think he's crazy, right? 
But there's this, it, it removes all the power. It removes all the power of those words. My wife just called me stupid in church. I can't believe it. <laughs> yes! <laughs> oh, man. Right? Imagine, imagine being able to just remove that power from that person. They, they body shame you. They make fun of your race. They make fun of your, your grade point average. They make fun that you can't play sports right. And your identity is so rooted in Jesus. You're like, okay. okay. That, those things aren't even really that important to me. I mean, they are. I'll, I'll do my best, but I can't. Rejoice and be glad. Well, this is what he does. He just takes this spotlight and he just focuses it on eternity. It's what we call having an eternal perspective. All through the Bible, it talks about, you know, don't, don't worry about today, don't worry about this, don't worry about that, because there's something coming. And he says this, because great is your reward in heaven. Now, I, I want you to just understand this real quick. There's a theology where we do a bunch of good stuff down here. Good, 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 good. And Jesus starts racking up crowns and stuff in heaven. And so then you, you're like doing good. I, mean, I hope I got a lot of crowns when I get up there. I hope I got a big mansion when we get up there. I, got, oh, I hope I got a lot of good stuff. Then you die, bam, go. You get absent from the body, present with the Lord. You're in there, Jesus, wow, where? Oh, man, these are all my crowns. And Jesus is like, yeah, give them back. That's what he says. Get, and we lay them all down at his feet. And then there we are in heaven. Huh, sweet. Okay, let me give you a different theology. What if you lived your life down here becoming so much like Jesus that your reward when you get to heaven is Jesus? That you spend eternity with Jesus? That, that as we do our things down here, we're building up this relationship with our Heavenly Father. We're building up this relationship with Jesus that, that when we die, we say, what, what could possibly, what do I possibly need down here? I get to be with him. Great is your reward in heaven because Jesus is in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We're going to take some time for communion. And uh, I want to do something a little bit different. Uh, typically at communion, and you can still do this. Well, you can do whatever you want. It's your, it's your communion. <laughs> you know, you'll, you, you, you'd reflect on yourself. How am I doing with the Lord? What, what places in my life do I need to work on this? Not being so offended, not being, if I'm falsely accused, to be able to seek Jesus, not justice. Like, like man, and there's a time for that. But as living spring the entity, as a church, I want to lament the violence in our country. And I want to lament the racism in our country. And so, if you would, however you would do it, before you take communion, that you would seek forgiveness, you would seek the Lord to see how, what, what tiny piece can I play in being a person that accepts all races, all ethnicities, all socioeconomic, all gender, all that stuff. I could be a person that brings reconciliation. 
And then you might want to pray a prayer like this. This is probably the prayer I'm going to pray. Lord God, forgive us. Forgive us. We need your mercy. This country needs your mercy. We have such a long way to go. And the only way we're going to get there is through you. And so, Lord, as I take this bread and this cup, may it represent healing over our country as well as myself. In Jesus' name, amen.